afternoon and welcome to Lambda Weekly. I'm Dave Taffet here in the studio with Laurent Landis. Hi, this is Patty Fink and you're yeah. listening to Lambda Weekly. Wasn't supposed to do that. And Patty's not here yet. But this is a scheduled late. This is a scheduled late. Because she had a wedding, a funeral, a bar mitzvah, something. Something. <laughs> I'll it, let her tell. It's it, her business. It would, it would help if we listened. <laughs> um, our guests today are Jelinski Brown and Trey Brown. Jelinski is the Director of Empowerment Programs at Resource Center, and Trey is the Empower Empowerment Program Manager. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having us. It's been a long time, Jelinski. Yes. Glad I'm to happy have you to back. Be back. Yeah, yeah, you welcome to Stray's first time. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks and Jelinski, you haven't been with us since we were in the tornado uh, studio. Well, hopefully I didn't bring that energy to y'all. No, you did not. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're calming. Yes. Yes. You're calming. Uh, Jelinski uh, runs, is the director of empowerment programs, which are all the affinity groups at, uh, well, I guess not all of them, but. Uh, they are the adult a, affinity groups. The adult affinity groups at Resource Center. Before we talk about that, I want to talk about your Vogue Academy. You're mm -hmm. both involved in it. Mm -hmm. Yes. Tell us what it, what is Vogue. Well, voguing um, is uh, an art form. It's a style of dance uh, that came up in the ballroom culture uh, that started to develop. Uh, largely in New York in the uh, 70s, 80s, and early 90s. Um, and it has a long history, comes from drag balls that existed from even before that. Um, but it's a, a very like popular popularized style of dance um, that uh, gained prominence uh, whenever uh, Madonna discovered uh, this like underground movement called voguing um, and uh, added it to some of her uh, music videos and even created a whole song called Vogue um, and over the years it has grown and and it is a part of this entire ballroom culture that was created by black and brown uh, individuals particularly uh, queer black and brown individuals um, to really create a space for themselves to be able to um, exist and find uh, prominence within their communities. Do you know, when I was in college back in the 1970s, I had a professor who talked about, and he didn't use the word voguing, but he was what he was describing is exactly what you're describing mm -hmm. uh, that went on back in the 40s. Yeah, I would say depending on who you talk to, you know, Vogan has been around for a long time. There's some people who say that it's um, kind of a homage to some of the images that you see in what's called the hieroglyphics on the walls of Egypt. Um, and, you know, Trey mentioned Madonna, you know, making it more mainstream for the people to follow her. But, um, again, depending on who you talk to, it was, you know, very widely known and very yeah. popular. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and I've heard so many different stories about its origins, um, but the particular version that we um, showcase with our programs was more, as Trey mentioned, you know, founded by a lot of the drag balls and the. Um, and some of it was going back to the 40s, the Harlem Renaissance mm -hmm. era, you know, when people couldn't be themselves. It's like, mm -hmm. well, hey, we're going to find a space and just be free and express ourselves because dance and movement is a great way to release energy and just be in the moment. And that's how if he you, described it, yeah. If you want to, I guess, maybe a really good 
history about uh, voguing, check out the documentary Paris is Burning. Mm -hmm. Yes. Great, great, great movie. Right, mm -hmm. so voguing as we know it today, origins are probably in the 70s. Uh, the the dance form of it that we see today. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yes. And then there's also, you know, as far as up to date, you can always check out the series, which I so hate that it ended. Pose. Mm -hmm. Pose. Mm -hmm. There's also a um, a documentary called Kiki. Yes. Um, that was created, and that's more that? of the the scene that we cultivate with United Black Element is the Kiki scene. Cause you have the mainstream ballroom scene, which is like the varsity league and then the kiki is more the junior league fun you know it was even um you know the mainstream became so rigid in all these rules and regulations politics. that in all I the politics and it, it kind of was um opposite of what the people created to begin with a space to just be free and mm -hmm. so the kids was like well we're going to create another scene and we just going to do our thing and it and just continues to evolve and grow. It even, the Kiki scene in particular, even became something, because it, it's not just uh, for the kids. Adults in the mainstream ballroom scene are able to join Kiki houses and have that experience uh, of, like, being able to, like, let loose and explore uh, different parts of themselves. Okay, you just said Kiki houses. What are the houses? Oh, so in mainstream and in uh, the Kiki scene, um, people are divided into what we call houses. And so it's uh, small, like, family-style, like, groups um, where they uh, work on uh, their craft together and they support each other. Um, and so just because you go to a ball doesn't mean that you walk every time, but members of your house might support you if you are walking or if you are competing in that particular ball uh, that night. And they often have... Uh, house mothers and house fathers which are leaders um, in that particular house in the community uh, that then offer guidance and support to the younger individuals that are you know out there to have fun um, they're the ones that are teaching uh, all of the people that are newer and when and they even, go I was gonna add even outside of just like the expression of vogue in terms of the teaching you know these houses are like um, mentor networks mm -hmm. and um, safe havens even because a lot of times the people within the ballroom scene can't always be themselves they may not have um, a biological family that is supportive of them and their lifestyle and so oftentimes these houses you know are often physical spaces as well where people can live and be fed and be loved on be encouraged and supported in their dreams desires and goals outside of you know walking in ballrooms so that's you know getting a job going to college all these things and so the houses um, although are you know competitive in the ballroom scene it unites them beyond just competition mm -hmm. it's you know just encouraging people and providing space for them to be so, you know, the, the origins of it, whether it started in the 40s, 50s, I think most people probably may identify where it started in the late 70s. It was been underground for years. Um, then it went mainstream. But now it is international. Oh, yes. I see so many videos of kids, kids, <laughs> little kids, like um, in Australia, in Africa, in Europe, voguing and are having these Vogue competitions. So it has really gone global. Mm -hmm. um, is that part of what prompted you to um, even start, or did you start uh, the Academy? Well, um, well, with United Black Element, you, um, 
UB exists to enable young, black, gay, and bisexual or same gender loving men to fulfill their greatest potential for good. And so we're always looking for opportunities to provide space to nurture um, the community and fulfilling their greatest potential. And so we started, um, well, I got to say, I have a personal love for ballroom and voguing. I just love watching. It's such a great expression, and I get my life through these individuals on the floor. So you don't vogue yourself? I don't. I mean, I, I try to do a little one-two here and there, but <laughs> I just leave it to the leave professionals. It to the professionals. <laughs> yes. And so um, we actually started the um, doing a once-a-month uh, ballroom practice. Um, just to provide space to allow the community to come in and practice. And this was before we had a defined kiki scene in Dallas. And then in 2016, um, J-Rock Ebony, who reimagined the ballroom practice, we called Get Your Life Ballroom Practice. He reimagined it into what we have now as the Vogue Academy, just as an official teaching series. Um, and it was only supposed to go four weeks, but it became so popular that it grew and became um, every Friday thing to where we still have nice. it today. And, um, and it aligns so much with our mission because we create a holistic space for people to get connected to um, wellness. And so even beyond just coming together and have fun if you need to get connected with HIV resources mental health resources housing housing all the things like as we have people that are having fun we're also getting to know one another and we're sharing each other's stories with one another and so we can support however we can and so the the beauty about the ballroom community I love is like the houses almost exists like other forms of United Black Element where we're able to have different leadership leadership structures, different affinity groups where we're all just finding our way and connecting each other to the things that are necessary to be well in this world. Okay, uh, I want to go back a little bit. You were talking about competitions. Where are these competitions held and what are they competing doing? Oh, I mean... Any and everywhere. Uh, I mean, there's uh, at the community usually gets together uh, every Wednesday night at Marty's Live, um, which is uh, a bar uh, kind of close to the Oaklawn area. Um, and uh, that's every Wednesday they get together. There's some sort of mini ball or something that goes on, but um, balls can be housed anywhere. We've hosted balls before. Um, they've had some at the uh, African American. Uh, museum. They've had some uh, out by the Margaret Hunt Hill Bridge um, on the uh, walking uh, bridge out there. So oh, it, really, nice. it really depends on who is throwing the ball and what kind of atmosphere or effect they want the ball uh, to have. And, and when you're competing, what are, are, are you competing? What are you scored on? Well, the um, so. You have, in, you have usually wherever you are, there's some kind of alliance. So here in Dallas, we have the Mainstream Ball Alliance, and then we also have the Gulf Coast Kiki Alliance. And so the alliances are um, the, governing the governing body of, you know, they oversee all the functions. And so each house has a representative on the alliance. And so they come together and agree on the bylaws of, you know, this is what we're looking for in balls. And so you have 
different categories depending on the ball. You know, they have different categories. Um, but generally, you have a panel of judges at the ball, and you get your tens or you get chopped. And so based on the criteria of the category, you know, the category may say, bring it like... Beyonce and singles lady or something you know I'm just making up something and so there's a category and you need to bring it like whatever that category reads and then the judges are judging you based on that criteria and either you get your tens or you get chopped if you get your tens then you go on to the battle rounds where you compete with the other people that got their tens and then the last man woman standing Wins the prize. So it's not necessarily based on just who's the best dancer technically. No. Correct. Right, right. Because right. there could be also opinions. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, because it might be my opinion as a Beyonce expert um, that, you know, maybe you thought that you brought it like Beyonce, but I don't think that you actually met the goal for this uh, uh, category. And so I might chop you. Um, whereas someone else might go ahead and give you your tens. Um, and so it really depends on what the language is behind the promotion, what the actual promoter for the ball is uh, putting into it. Um, so, so we so know it could be a, it could be a category like who can bring the best disco wear. Mm -hmm. Yes. You know, just really anything. Mm -hmm. And so, okay, so yeah, it's not necessarily just about who's the best dancer. Mm -hmm. exactly. So we know if Trey is judging. You better know your Beyonce. Yes. Better know your Beyonce. <laughs> and there are also categories outside of voguing. Like, voguing is just one um, part uh, of the culture. Um, and it's just one uh, element that is there. But there's also, um, like, modeling and runway walks. There's realness categories where you uh, present yourself almost like a promenade. Uh, to uh, whatever the effect for that category uh, might call for. So a category could be schoolboy realness. And so then um, you're not dancing, you're walking up and down the catwalk, but you better have your backpack and, you know, your Doc Martens or what, what again, whatever the category calls for. Um, and again, it's, it's this like rich history that pours into and elevates the rest of the culture um, because a lot of the models, uh, supermodels that learned how to walk learned from people in the ballroom community. Um, if anyone is familiar with America's Next Top Model and how they had uh, Miss J. Alexander teaching the models how to walk on the runway, that was a regular mm -hmm. thing. Um, yeah. That was history being like lived out. Um, and we didn't even know that whenever we were watching that back in the day. So what are the what are the prizes? Are they trophies, monetary, or just bragging rights? It depends. All of the above. All yeah. of the above, mm -hmm. okay. It mm -hmm. can be a combination of, you know, all those things, or it could just be a trophy, it could be money, but there's always bragging rights because mm -hmm. people always want <laughs> right. you to say, mm -hmm. I am the grand prize. Right, mm -hmm. right. And then generally, depending on what region you're in, you know, you get points for each individual ball to where you have what's called like over of the year. And mm -hmm. so depending on how many wins you have of the year, you get additional bragging rights to say, I'm that girl or I'm that boy, you know. Okay, okay so you were talking about um, different groups here in Dallas that compete. Mm -hmm. Do you compete intercity? Oh, yes. yes. That's um, a part of how you uh, grow your status um, within the community. Um, we have these uh, status markers that are called, you know, are you a star? Are you a statement? Are you a legend? Are you an icon? 
and um, there's certain criteria to be able to meet, you know, this like new status level. Um, but part of that is uh, competing not just in your region, not just in your city, uh, but going to other regions and being able to, you know, outdo people there. So, like we. So, how much better does Dallas do than Houston? Uh, so <laughs> Dallas is kind of the hub for the Gulf Coast. Um, it's where the highest concentration of the community is. Of course. And so Dallas um, is beating Houston right now. But as a Houston girl, don't count us out. Hashtag just. Hey. Well, I, I won't judge Houston. <laughs> but he's, yeah, always, he's always t- uh, mentioning Houston because I'm originally from Houston. So just know that. I'm rooting for all the cities. Yes. I root for yes. all the yeah. people. And yeah. it's, it is beautiful. As Trey said, Dallas is the hub for the Gulf Coast Kiki scene. But it's been beautiful to watch it go to Dallas, Austin, San Antonio, mm-hmm. Houston. Um, Lubbock. I think, I think there's some been in El Paso and Lubbock as well. Um, but it's constantly growing. But even outside of the Gulf Coast, people travel to Atlanta, New York, New Orleans. There was just a ball in Phil- Philadelphia a couple Philadelphia. weeks ago. Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. And a bunch of our community went up there. There's actually been a lot um, of traveling recently. There was Philadelphia at the beginning of the month. Um, just this week alone, there was a ball in New Orleans that the community went to. Oh, of course, with Mardi Gras. Uh, yeah. yeah. It was called yeah. the so Lundy Gras Ball. Yeah. And so yeah. that was at the beginning of the week. Um, there was a ball in Houston on Thursday, and there was a ball in Austin last night. Yes. So the girls travel. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, th- so this is an academy. So just like Jaleska was telling me before the show, you don't have to walk in knowing how to Vogue. Yes. So with our Vogue Academy, you know, at United Black Element, we have different instructors that come in and, you know, they may concentrate on a particular category or uh, a particular... um, element within Vogue you have catwalk, duck walk, shablams, or wait, wait, wait. Dips. Dips. Don't call them shablams. Gosh, yeah, dips. <laughs> um, and so the instructors, you know, may go through these different drills. They do stretches. And as J-Rock says, sometimes people come in with two left feet and they leave with competition feet. And so oh, that's awesome. the goal is to cultivate space for people to get to know, get comfortable with voguing, learn more about it, practice, and then they take that practice to the competitions. You know, we've had people go on to win, um, to compete on the um, HBO Max show, was it Legendary? Uh, yes, yes. Um, and had a few people on Legendary oh, that's from awesome. our region. And win grand prize, you know, win the $100,000 prize, and so it's been amazing. We need to take a break. I did get an update from Patty. She's still at the funeral, so it is not a bat mitzvah that she's at. Okay. <laughs> uh, it's a celebration of life for a friend of theirs, and she said, I may or may not get there before the end of the show. Taking pets? We'll see you next week, Patty. (laughs) You're listening to Lambda (laughs) Weekly on 89.3 KNON-FM, and we'll be back with more right after this. Hi, this is Patty Fink, and you're listening to Lambda Weekly on 89.3 KNON-FM. And this is Lambda Weekly. I'm Dave Taffet here in the studio with Lauren Landis. Our guests are Jelinski Brown, who's the Director of Empowerment Programs at Resource Center, and Trey Brown, who's the Empowerment Program Director. We've been talking about Vogue Academy, but you keep talking uh, or mentioning UBE, United Black Element. Tell us what that is. 
So United Black Element, it um, started out as an empowerment program using, I mean, it's still an empowerment program, but empowerment is also a CDC evidence-based intervention for um, stopping the spread of HIV amongst 18 to 35-year-old gay and bisexual men. And it was um, the first adaptation of the empowerment model specifically for the black community because we understood that HIV affects the black community differently than it affects other communities. So we needed culturally sensitive programming to really empower the black community to overcome the HIV epidemic. And it's since evolved into so much more. Um, the original mission statement was um, 18 to 29 year old gay and bisexual men creatively building community. And that is what we're still doing, you know, because we believe that we are capable to solve our own problems. So it's peer led um, and um, it's evolved to now it um, exists to enable young black gay and bisexual men to fulfill their greatest potential for good. And that's whatever that looks like for those individuals. We are a space where people can find themselves while also connecting to resources, um, whether it's health resources, mental health resources, or other resources that may contribute to their overall holistic wellness. So it's not necessarily just about HIV, but all the things that... Um, assist the person in being well and we do uh different events you know we do you know skate parties we throw balls host vogue academy we also do professional development stuff such as resume writing workshops um or job readiness things um, financial literacy programs things like that uh, for the community and a lot of that falls under our initiative um, called the black initiative which stands for building leaders and cultivating knowledge um, oh, I like that. oh yeah and it's a wonderful opportunity for us to be able to engage the community and and we really figure out what people need and then it's kind of our jobs to deliver that or figure out a um, or a a partner, traditional or non-traditional partner, that can uh, come in and assist us uh, with that to try and uplift our community. When do you meet? Um, so uh, Vogue Academy is uh, every Friday. Um, then we have other programming um, like the Black every Academy. Friday at Resource every Center. Every Friday at Resource at Center at the Community Center mm -hmm. building on at Cedar the Springs. Center on Cedar Springs. Um, we also have uh, community programming for United Black Element um, uh, every Thursday, uh, and then individual houses also rent out space um, throughout the week, and so there's uh, that going on at the community center um, as well, and UB shares its space with some of the, uh, the other uh, adult affinity programs that Resource Center offers. But I would also add, you know, in terms of you being, you know, even though we have specific hours and times that we meet, like really it's just a network. It's become a network. So people contact um, myself, Trey, the staff, and even some of our volunteers, and we have what we call our core group. And the core group is kind of like our board of directors. They assist us in um, figuring out the needs of the community because they represent the community. Um, and. Um, help us execute those things. And so everybody's always having their earplug to the ground and I'm constantly hearing stories of people reaching out at all hours or even folks hosting things in their home or um, you know, whatever the people need. It's 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 a ever evolving movement depending on what's happening in the community.
So the, the LGBTQ community is so saturated now. Not everybody lives in just in a gay neighborhood. Mm -hmm. um, not everybody lives in yes, just... Yes, we do. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, so we're, we're everywhere. Um, you know, there's a big, a large no, or growing population of uh, LGBT families living in, out in the suburbs. People mm -hmm. would have never thought that. Um, so how do you, and you believe the, the work you do is so important, but how do you all find your people? Do they come to you or do you all do outreach? Combination, both. yeah, mm -hmm. both. There's a lot of word of mouth. You know, we're really grateful that a lot of people talk about us. Of course, we do outreach. We go out into various areas, um, go out to different events that may cater to people within the UV demographic, colleges, um, clubs. Um, you may see us at brunch sometimes. <laughs> exactly. And then we also try, when resources are allowed, to hold events in different areas. You know, one of the things that um, we do sometimes is, like, if someone's having an event, let's say, out in Irving or out in Denton, you know, if we could, like, partner with them and, like, okay, maybe we'll bring some food or we'll bring something, you know, and just show up and just breathe the same air with the community so that people know that we're here and that we are a resource um, and we're not trying to do everything you know we're definitely not trying to do everything because there's more things than we can do mm -hmm. however we understand that um, we can do more together than apart so we really do um, our due diligence in getting to know what's already happening out there and how we can position ourselves to be a resource within this overall network of resources. So, you know, like you said, you can do everything, but mm -hmm. if somebody were to come to you with whatever issue that you can handle, you can direct them to somewhere else. Oh, yes. Exactly. We say if we can't do it, we probably know somebody who can. Right. right. I've had many a uh, uh, 3 a.m. phone call of someone in crisis, and, you know, I'm able to say, okay, well, let's figure out, you know, like what you need, what are the steps to get you there. You know, uh, you may not have immediate uh, uh, response right now because it is 3 a.m. Businesses are closed, partners <laughs> are asleep or something, but right. uh, we can get you to a point where you are stable so that by 8, 9 o'clock a.m. we can uh, start getting you whatever resources Well, you let's might talk need. about that a little bit. Without breaking any confidentialities, of course, what type of crises are people calling you? Oh, I mean, we have people that could be housing insecure. We have people that could be food insecure. We have people experiencing uh, domestic violence. Um, there are people that uh, find out that they might be living with HIV, and because of the stigma around living with HIV, um, you know, their immediate concern, it might not even be their health sometimes. It's just, am I going to be loved? Am I going to be, like, cared for? Like, what does this mean for my future? Um, and so, you know, like, uh, as Jelinski said, like, we're that, that contact, we're that network for people um, to be able to be heard um, and to be seen and to be loved. And then we connect you with people that we trust uh, to care for you as well. And even sometimes we've, um, I've facilitated personally conversations between um, young men that may have gotten kicked out of their house, you know, like their biological parents didn't quite understand and it's like, oh, you're gay, get out. And so we've had to deal with situations like that. And I have to add, you know, although I do work with Research Center as the director of empowerment programs, empowerment is what I do, it was what I was born to do, and so I'm always grateful to assist people in finding their way and, and finding um,
tools and resources that allow them to be as they are and not necessarily as society or even parents or schools or whoever says they must be because you know people are going to be as they are and I believe that people deserve support and being as they are and being well and so whatever we can do whatever I can do personally I try to make myself available to support individuals and in finding whatever they need in that moment to be okay. And sometimes there's just a listening ear. Mm -hmm. I just needed somebody mm -hmm. to listen to me because nobody else would. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, Trey, you mentioned domestic violence. We did a show on domestic violence a few weeks ago. Mm -hmm. um, what are your recommendations with that? I'm just curious. Um, it depends on uh, who we're talking to because yeah. some shelters only uh, accept certain demographics or they're funded to do certain things. So it really depends on the person. Um, but, uh, you know, getting out of the situation if possible, um, getting to a safe place. If you can go with family, that's great. Um, we have connected people as we were talking with the house structure. Um, earlier uh, within like the ballroom community the reason why I specifically said it's like a familial structure um, is because uh, if people can't go to a like a biological family member oftentimes those uh, kiki houses offer that um, for their uh, uh, fellow members and and it can go across houses as well um, and I've been able to connect people with someone that they can at least stay with for two to three days until they can find some sort of uh, shelter um, or housing situation um, and we have worked with partners like um, uh, City Square um, for housing before Promise House um, there are because we don't offer housing ourselves there are mm -hmm. other uh, community partners that we work with to try and get people into a better situation where they are safer yeah and I always recommend people find support find mm -hmm. support you know reach out to your friend networks reach out to somebody and find support and even the people supporting the folks that are in the direct situation need support as well you know I've had situations where I've assisted people that come through the UB program in domestic violence situations and then their partners after me too and so I've had to get support in that as well and so the most important thing is to find support and then the, for people that you know these folks might be reaching out to believe them you know I know it's a lot of times especially when it comes to men on men you know domestic violence is often downplayed it's like oh those are just two men fighting right right um, but they can handle it exactly yeah. and it's like well you know who knows you know the nuances that are going on in there is it emotional is it financial is it physical what is it because domestic violence can exist in a number of ways and so it's important to find support and when people are reaching out for support listen and seek understanding to what's going on to be able to um, address it in the most appropriate way because there isn't a one-size-fit-all. And that was one of the points of our show a few weeks ago was that domestic violence does go on in the LGBTQ community uh, and it is varied and takes different forms. Mm -hmm. It's not always violence uh, it it's not always physical violence. Mm -hmm. uh, there are other things. Let's talk about a couple of the other affinity groups um, for people who are old like Patty. Uh, <laughs> hey, Patty, we love you. <laughs> Tell us about Thrive. Um, so Thrive is a program that is for um, LGBTQ um, uh, seniors or people that are uh, 55 and up. 
um, and we provide social programming. There's also a uh, support group that is run by uh, behavioral uh, health uh, counselors as well associated with Thrive. Um, and so you have that uh, um, mental health support group and then you also have the social support group uh, um, that I uh, manage. And we have a wonderful uh, coordinator, Nina, uh, that creates uh, fun and exciting programming. We work with a team of volunteers from the community um, to create programming uh, as well. And so, um, like we just went to the symphony last week. Um, they had a, uh, it was a Pops concert, so it was music of John Williams. And so, Indiana oh, nice. Jones, Star Wars, um, Superman, stuff like that. Uh, and um, we really enjoyed it. Um, uh, we had a Palentine's because uh, we realized not everybody has a, a Valentine. So um, we put on a party of pals that can get together for oh, Palentine's. I like that. I like and we that. had a Palentine's tea party and the community did like a, a potluck style and we put all different assortments of teas and stuff like that and everything. And so it's, it's a, an opportunity for um, uh, aging members of the LGBTQ community to be able to get together because as we know um, oftentimes uh, whenever we are aging uh, we uh, experience loneliness, we experience um, isolation. isolation and and uh, that's one of the things that we're trying to fight uh, against in the community. Do you know how I fight aging? How? I've decided not to age. Oh, Good for you. It just doesn't <laughs> you work great. for me. You, I mean you look great. I mean, I feel like since I met you, you have you look the same. You haven't aged a bit because the painting is in the attic. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, one of the other affinity groups uh, is a uh, trans group called mm -hmm. Gender Brave. Tell us about Gender Brave and how that one came about. So, Gender Brave, um, it's really amazing. We had uh, so many different. Um, things happening within Resource Center when it came to the trans community but some of it was not necessarily ran directly by us and then the things that um, I managed um, the trans community was just kind of lumped in into the gay men's program and I believe everybody deserves a space to address their needs socially um, and otherwise you know more sensitive to whatever is concerning to them. So in 2017, Trey and um, some former employees of Resource Center and some community members came together to birth a space for trans and gender non-conforming and non-binary people to come together um, to talk about issues important to them, to socialize with people that look and um, identify on things that are familiar to them. And so we didn't have the name Gender Brave originally. And so um, we hosted the space July 17, 2017. I remember like it was yesterday. Um, and we just put it out there what our intentions were. Um, as someone who's always been misgendered throughout my life, people ask, you know, you're a boy or a girl, and I just am. I'm me. <laughs> um, I empathize with people being able to identify as they decide to. And so... Um, over a series of meetings, the group deciding on the name Gender Brave, which I thought was so fitting because it's like you are brave with your gender expression. You know, we're, we live in such a binary world, but even within that binary, there's a spectrum. You know, there's so much opportunity from one end to the other to exist in mm -hmm. various forms. Um, and so we really create a space for you, even if you want to step outside of that binary and just be 
all of the things or none of the things. And so like Thrive and UB, we cultivate different um, social experiences, professional development ex experiences. There's a core group of individuals that in a perfect world is like a microcosm of that community. So we have various people representing the trans and gender non-binary spectrum that assist us in deciding on what events, what programming, what initiatives are important and it's going to reach the community. Um, but ultimately connecting people again into this idea of uh, this culture of wellness you know what is necessary for you to be your whole self and live out life in a way that's uh, most fulfilling for you and healthy I want to talk about how the groups get along the groups within gender brave get along the mm -hmm. different elements of the group mm -hmm. we need to take a, a break and Jelinski's looking at me like Ugh, and that's my <laughs> question really uh, you're listening to Lambda Weekly on 89.3 KNON-FM. I'm Dave Taffet here in the studio with Laron Landis, and our guests are Jelinski Brown and Trey Brown, uh, both from Resource Center. We'll be back with more right after this. Our bumper didn't want to work. Uh, you're listening to, uh, KNO, uh, to uh, Lambda Weekly on KNON.org. KNON FM 89.3. Well, and, and I'm thinking that a lot of people do listen to us online, <laughs> so they're listening on KNON.org. Um, we're talking to Jelinski Brown and Trey Brown from the Resource Center. They're with uh, the different affinity groups that Resource Center runs. And we were just talking about the trans group uh, Gender Brave, which also includes gender nonconforming. Now, I know one thing, certain people who come out as trans, to them, there is a gender binary that you're either male or female, and they believe they were just born in the wrong body. Uh, and do various stages of transitioning from one gender to the other, whereas somebody who's uh, gender non-conforming doesn't matter to them. Uh, you know, explain, Trey, uh, how you consider yourself to be gender non-conforming. Yeah. Um, so it's it's funny. I always say I'm I'm not a man. I'm not a woman. But I am a lady, and you will treat me as such. Um, <laughs> being raised by uh, proper Southern bells down in in <laughs> Southeast Texas. Um, but uh, being gender nonconforming or gender nonbinary, it really is is just saying that you don't fit into the binary system of man or woman. Um, for I mean, obviously, you're listening to this. You can't see me. Um, but I'm presenting as what people might say a man would be today. Um, I have on, you know, an express uh, merino wool sweater, uh, some uh, joggers, and then, you know, just some little tennis shoes. Um, but tomorrow, um, I might go into work with some six-inch heels and a high-waisted trouser and a blouse. And you um, also have prominent facial hair. And yes, I, I have prominent facial hair and, and my sideburns and, and stuff <laughs> like that. Yeah. Yeah. And whenever I um, uh, am feeling more uh, effeminate um, and want to present in that way, I don't shave my mustache. I don't shave my goatee um, because I don't feel like I have to play to one gender or the other. I, I exist outside of that. There's parts of masculinity in me. There's parts of femininity in me. Um, like I have long nails that most people whenever they see me their first question is how do you type with those things and I'm like I, right <laughs> that, that's how I learned how to type um, and so um, it's an interesting question how do people uh, get along because um, there are some people 
that are trans within the binary that fight to exist and and say like I am I am within the binary um, I just wasn't born under the right uh, label you know and then there's people that say um, this why is, do we this why is do me? we need the labels yeah 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 why do we you're need you those two labels I I am just who I am um, and something that's great about gender brave is under this like culture of wellness that we have um, those can exist um, while exploring your transness without it being a block to being able to uh, get along um, lots of times people uh, like being trans and deciding to transition is is an evolution um, it's it's kind of akin to um, going through puberty again um, and rediscovering yourself because you have to rediscover how you're going to engage with the world uh, because people will start perceiving you differently if you start to uh, transition physically or, or hormonally a number uh, of years ago we had a guest on who said she didn't really transition she emerged Yes. Mm -hmm. And she just thought that was a better word to describe mm -hmm. her journey. Yes. I feel like, um, like I believe that I'm not this body. I am the energy within the body. And this body is just like a vehicle for me to explore this, <clears throat> excuse me, 3D reality. And it's like, I feel like I'm a living plant. And so, you know, I can adorn this body as I, I see fit, but I also recognize the abilities that this body has. But within my mind, some days I feel like, well, there's more feminine energy that wants to come out. Some days there's more masculine energy wants to come out. And so it just depends on where I am in my journey and what decides to pop out and say hi to the world. Um, but I feel like all of it is valid. All of it is necessary um, to experience life um, in a way that feels most authentic for me in whatever given moment. So within these groups, are there maybe sometimes some, I don't want to say controversy, but um, some pushback because some area or group said feels like just they should be part of this group. Like, if you're not trans or if you're not non-binary, this probably shouldn't be a space that you enter. I was talking to somebody, um, I've talked to several people over the last week who's kind of made a statement that everybody's just operating selfishly. And not in like a bad way, but everybody's just thinking about their own needs. And sometimes, you know, when we do that, we often forget to make space for other people to think about their needs. And I think that it's important for us to express ourselves while also not infringing on anyone else's right to express themselves. Um, but there are times where you have people that's like, well, my needs are more important than your needs. It needs to be this way. I want to be a part of this space. And um, then you have other people that's like, well, no, like... I don't have that same experience that you have, although we do have some commonalities. There are some differences that I would like to address without you. Mm -hmm. And so I think um, we do often run into issues where people do feel that they should be included in a space. Like I use UB as an example. There's been many times where people ask, well, why do you have a group that's just for black people? And it's like, you know, that's they use the word reverse racism and it's like well no there are issues that are specific to black people that non-black people wouldn't necessarily be able to 
contribute to in a constructive way that um, completely resonates with people who share that experience. Like not saying that you can't contribute to the conversation or be a part of it, but there are some things that you just won't understand without the lived experience of being a black person. Makes sense. And um, there's another side to it where, because um, like even within certain groups, um, there can be this pull and tug of like how much am I a part of this group versus you are um, and that is something that we fight uh, with rules of, of uh, like saying like there's no gatekeeping um, and experience if you are inherently a part of a particular group um, there is no one way to be black there's no one way to be trans there's no one way to be gay um, and so if you are inherently a part of the group um there's you don't have to perform any one way or exist in any one way to be a part of our groups um because like for instance with with people that are trans um you know if someone comes and they believe that they are trans and they want to go to gender brave they might not have started transitioning yet and so um, you know, like their body hasn't changed yet, their looks might not have changed yet, they might not have even started purchasing clothes that are affirming to the gender that they believe that they are. Um, and so uh, if they don't look like that, you know, like some people, it, it, it would make some people feel uncomfortable. But for us, you know, it's our belief that this is just your starting point. I'm here to meet you where you are. And so um, if you are at the point where you are exploring, um, that uh, evolving process has to start somewhere, you know? And it's an opportunity for you to be able to find community for yourself. Um, and so in that same regard, we don't have uh, gatekeeping um, and, and no one is entitled to, you know, one uh, particular aspect of identity. And I think it's important to note, too, when we're talking about, like, these different spaces that we're cultivating, um, you know, one can identify a certain way in their mind, but then we still have this anatomical body to deal with. And so one of the things that we really, you know, try to be mindful of in all that we do in cultivating spaces is the anatomical differences in being. You know, um, there are times where there are certain medical issues, like let's say with a gay man versus a trans man. The anatomical differences may need to be um, addressed differently, you know, with one group versus the next group. So there are times we may have to have a workshop or a conversation that address, you know, a gay man in a way that may not address the needs of a trans man in the same way. But we you know, aren't saying that you can't identify as a man, but, you know, there are still, um, again, differences that may necessitate different conversations and different approaches. Absolutely. Okay, there are two other affinity groups that I want to get to before uh, the show is over. One of them is Fuse, mm -hmm. which has been around a long time. Yeah, it's That's about 20 years old now. Yeah. What is Fuse? Uh, so FUSE is another empowerment program like UB, um, but FUSE exists for uh, same gender loving men of all races. Um, and uh, um, it again is under the empowerment model, so it started off as an HIV prevention education uh, intervention for the community. Um, and uh, 
like UB, it puts on different events throughout the community, does outreach and creates an affinity space. Um, and because we have UB, it does not mean that um, black singing loving men cannot also go to Fuse. Um, it just means that there's two programs that you now uh, get to go to. So there's an opportunity to engage with um, uh, uh, multiple resources that might be available to you. Mm -hmm. uh, what are some of the programs that Fuse runs? Um, so Fuse has events like uh, Tea Time, which are cultural conversations. Um, the last Tea Time that Fuse did uh, was over um, gay tribes. And so, um, you know, are you, where do you fit into the community? Are you a twink? Are you a bear? Are you a jock? You know, and um, how do we engage with those uh, labels? Does it provide inclusion for us? Um, or does it, uh, can they feel exclusionary sometimes where if you don't fit in to a particular group, um, are you now, you know, a part of this marginalized community of, of gay men without a place to be within the community? And so we explore that conversation. Um, there's things like uh, Connect, um, which uh, is like a game night or a, a night where we just have people come in and we buy dinner and everybody gets to connect with each other. Um, and uh, there's uh, um, very active Dungeons and Dragons game uh, that goes on every Thursday. Um, the girls get in and they have a wonderful time every Thursday with D&D &D and um, we're able to incorporate HIV education into all of these things that we do um, as well and so uh, you know you might not come like let's say you have a group of friends you don't necessarily need to connect with a whole bunch of new people or maybe you're an introvert so maybe you won't come to connect tonight um, but you just love D&D &D. and so we can meet different people in the community in different ways by providing different kinds of, of programming um, but also too uh, having uh, similar things like professional development workshops like financial li literacy education stuff like that and your newest group, Fuse is probably your oldest group, your newest group is a women's group. Sapphic. Mm -hmm. um, Sapphic uh, used to be called Women with uh, Pride, um, but understanding that um, Sapphic is a little bit more in inclusive uh, because um, it there there is this phenomena of of you can be uh, like transgender, non-binary person. Um, you know, assigned female at birth, but uh, still have a connection to your femininity, you're just not a woman, you know, um, or maybe you are a trans woman um, and you identify with, with other queer women in a way. And so Sapphic provides an, an, an affinity space for queer women to be able to come together. And that is uh, 18 and up and um, Sapphic uh, has different events like um, a uh, we do like a pride prom around Dallas Pride. Um, there's queer camp uh, that's going to be in uh, May. I want to say it's like May 19th and 20th, where um, we rent out a space at Rainbow Ranch, um, and we rent out like the cabin, and it's just a place where a lot of queer women and femmes. Uh, can get together and uh, just kind of have like a little retreat for ourselves mm -hmm. and and have some some uh, I'm not an outside person so I won't say it's fun but it's it, it is fun it is it is an exciting experience to be able to go out there I just don't like 
the dirt and the mud and the bugs. But <laughs> Trey wasn't too happy when I signed that project to him. <laughs> but but it's it's a wonderful opportunity to be able to to commune with other people, um, and uh, and so that's why that that is like such an exciting event. It's it's one of the biggest events that that. Uh, um, Sapphic puts on. There's about a hundred people um, that get tickets to go and are either rent out cabins or uh, camp out at Rainbow Ranch mm-hmm. and uh, come to the various programming that we have all weekend long. That's a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we've just taken over oversight of that program, and so um, it's really interesting because there's a lot of nuance within that community. And much like the LGBT community, we understand that it's communities within communities. So there's still a lot of cultivating of affinity spaces, you know, that may have to happen in that group as well as we continue to grow that program. And so all of these programs are part of a larger department within Resource Center called FACES, Family and Community Empowerment Services. And so um, Trey and I oversee the adult side of things, 18 and up. But then there are also um, another side, which is we have Youth First for 17, I think it's 12 to 17. And then we have a new program that's launching um, Cafe. Cafe, Communities Affirmed forget the acronym but you can find it on our website myresourcecenter.org and um, it's really amazing what we've created with the FACES department our programs our empowerment programs used to be a part of an HIV prevention department but we've rebranded and restructured because we recognized what we were doing was beyond HIV prevention and so now all of our programs kind of represent the faces of Resource Center and again understanding that we are communities within communities and we desire to create space for everyone to find themselves wherever they may land in the rainbow um, and recognizing that we have differences and so we organize in various affinity spaces but we also embrace our commonalities to be able to come together under a larger umbrella so check us out this is our 40th year anniversary at resource center so, so nice i'm happy to announce that and um, we have so many services so many spaces and things and resource center is constantly rebranding and reorganizing and what's, what's the resources website my resource center.org okay and you can learn more about all of these programs that we have talked about today on that website and jelinski brown and uh trey brown thank you so much thank you for all being so much come this. back we'll yes. hear more about your 40th anniversary we filmed a video this past week and my part of giving the history was from 40 years ago so mm. it was a lot of fun to do uh for all of us here at lambda weekly have a great week well, your faith was strong but you need